All right, next story, we're going to be chatting drone delivery for medications. Um, This is something that in the last several months has been peaking up in the news with just Mm -hmm. small little projects here and there. And there's another small little launch that I thought was worth highlighting. So a Florida retirement community is getting a taste of drone delivery uh, as tests continue for several major companies looking to launch scaled drone delivery services. Um, So, yeah, for context there, there isn't really a focused drone delivery infrastructure for medication delivery yet. There have just been a bunch of little launches here and there. And the biggest one is the CVS-UPS partnership where they're utilizing each other's infrastructures to get medications into the skies and to patients' doorsteps. Starting in early May, the Villages, which is a Florida retirement community, is now going to be eligible for prescription medication delivery from participating CVS pharmacies in their area, and they'll be picked up by a UPS drone and delivered to their door. So very handy service. Um, The efforts are being put on by UPS's subsidiary, UPS Flight Forward, or UPS FF, Um, And the project has been amplified uh, both, I think, you know, PR-wise, it's just getting a little more attention, but also just the scope of it is amplified because of Mm COVID-19. So it just really shows the perfect opportunity for uh, showcasing why this technology is useful, uh, not just during COVID-19, but in general. And specifically during COVID-19, it helps keep um, workers safer, uh, healthcare workers safer, while getting important medications to vulnerable patients. And the goal of the company is to distribute specifically time and temperature sensitive medications. So things that uh, you know have a shelf life, basically. The CVS-UPS partnership um, completed the first revenue generating drone delivery of a medical prescription to a consumer's home that was, I believe, in late 2019. Um, but you know, the, the keyword being revenue generating, right? So I think that's, what's leading a lot of uh, the services and the combinations here is companies are looking for, how can we get Mm. prescription medication to our patients, but how can we do it in a way that turns a profit, which, you know, I mean that, yeah, that's a basic if it's being launched by a company. Um, but I, I just wonder how that revenue generation impacts, what they're going for and and the technology they end up going for. So that's just that's not something I have an answer for today, but something that I just wanted everyone to start thinking about. Um, a little more context: UPS received approval to run a full drone airline. This was back in the fall. Um, mm-hmm. They got uh, full Part 135 standard certification from the FAA to fly an unlimited number of drones with an unlimited number of operators. And the shipping company uh, can now fly pilotless aerial vehicles beyond human operators' visual line of sight, uh, and they can do it in the day or the night. Nice little rhyme there. Uh, Part 107, which is the most recent large-scale ruling by the FAA gave more specific mandates to businesses looking to operate drones. But uh, what was so exciting about that um, standard is that it helped lift some restrictions on piloting drones and launching drone projects that were uh, you know, seen as a detriment to the industry. Uh, drone pilots no longer need a pilot's license now. Um, they just need to take a necessary certification test. They don't need specific um, 
waivers or a certificate mm-hmm. of waiver or authorization is what they're called for some more niche missions. Um, and really what this does is it opens the door for more beyond visual line of sight operations. So under Part 107, operators still need to apply for a Section 33, which is just or Section 333, don't worry about what that is, <laughs> and prove the safety case for permission to perform such beyond visual line of sight flights. Limitations still remain. So, yeah, I mean, it's still, um, it, there are still some limitations on beyond line of sight, but that's what we're seeing here with UPS and CVS. And I tried to get more information on who is piloting these, um, how are they being launched, and it's a little murky. Uh, none of the stories I could find really gave me that information, uh, but I think what's happening here is they're doing beyond visual line of sight uh, launches because I think there's more scale there as well. If they had to rely on a pilot for every single drone launch, they probably wouldn't be able to get this to the revenue generating scale that they're imagining. So uh, that was what was front of mind for me. I was just a little confused on who's actually operating these and flying these. What is the digital infrastructure to make sure that these are safe? Uh, But then also, I couldn't find any information on specific standards for delivering medication. Um, I I, I couldn't find news on any particular um, uh, standards for the United States. If there was, uh, you know, something that, some kind of waiver that needed to be signed by the patient. I'm sure there is, you know, they have to opt into this kind of delivery. But what are the uh, oversights to make sure that the medication isn't tampered with, um, to make sure that it is, um, you know, safe for consumption after being flown and being exposed to weather conditions, right? The heat or, or the cold or rain. Um, that is what is still... Um, I guess kind of nibbling at my brain a little bit, and I couldn't find a solid answer for it. So uh, that's my takeaway from this. I'm just not sure what the precautions are to make sure that this is a safe operation, but it seems like they are all successes. So uh, at least, you know, in CVS and UPS's eyes. So what are y'all's thoughts there? Go ahead, Taylor. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, I think this is something, you know, we've, we've kept an eye on, obviously, for a while. We've seen a couple of different... Um, uh, you know, use cases for drone delivery. Um, and I think that medical is one of those ones that seems, uh, you know, almost obvious in some scenarios where, you know, there's an emergency, you need something very quickly, you need to get something that um, you wouldn't be able to leave, go pick up and come back and, and you know, administer or something along those lines. So, um, I, I think that there's probably going to be an element of, of prioritization of, you know, who's going to be able to utilize some of these services when you're going to want to be able to utilize them, how to qualify for that as well. Um, so I, I think that that would probably uh, be the first step, at least logically in my mind, <laughs> that that seems uh, like that would be the case. Um but then, you know, I, I start to see, uh, you know, some other questions about just, you know, like you were saying, is the uh, the actual quality of the medication going to, you know, withstand that means of transportation and delivery? Um, is it secure enough? You know, I mean, you got to think, too, a lot of these uh, uh, patients, you know, are might be taking drugs that, you know, aren't readily available from, you know, either a doctor or they need to be given to you by a pharmacist, Um and, you know, how, how does something, you know, somebody that is uh, prescribed, you know, a controlled substance and things like that, where now it's leaving the hands of, you know, a, a 
licensed authorized individual and then you know kind of flying over and going into somebody else's uh, hands you know where do you kind of draw the the line of the law you know while it's in transit so i think that there's actually a lot of questions that will probably have to be answered there in the medical field specifically um but as a whole, I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, when if you needed something very quickly, you know, rather than calling an ambulance and having them pick you up and take you to the hospital and having something administered, having, you know, something flown directly to you, um, that, that seems potentially life saving. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And uh, a lot of what Taylor said is is really good and really interesting. And, you know, I. I guess I look at this because I'm not as uh, plugged in on the drone industry as as I think you guys are. But when I when I look at this and when I think about just everything going on, um, I, I suppose sometimes it, it feels like big events um, and, and big kind of problems and issues that we have to overcome begets a lot of innovation and pushes a lot of things forward ahead of a timeline that it normally would have occurred. So I think if if things had remained normal, that this would have been, you know, a very slow, limited kind of rollout of a thing where, you know, we, we thought about it for a long time. We asked a lot of the questions that that Daniel has on his mind, but, you know, and, and, you know, specifically about who's flying the drones, how safe it is, uh, the laws and standards for, for medi- you know, medications and things along those lines. But because we're in the situation we're in, sometimes those questions don't get asked now because there's just not... Um, there's a little bit more urgency, I guess. And so Mm -hmm. I I think that this is a response to the current time. And I think that sometimes what happens is just that you have to push forward and you have to find these innovations and find these new ways to go about doing things to protect people and, uh, and to to provide the necessary, I suppose, advancements um, to, to try to keep people safe while crazy things are happening. And so I think that a lot of those questions are probably going to remain unanswered as long as we're, we're dealing with this. But sometimes the, the value of it outweighs maybe the potential dangers of it or the or the murkiness of certain certain issues with this particular, you know, advancement um, in technology and utilizing drones to be able to to provide these types of services. And so uh, so sometimes I guess you deal with the murkiness during times like this because the value provided is greater. Uh, I, I did have another thing to follow up here on that, which yeah. uh, I, I think you made a great point. Um, and and leading out of that point is, you know, there would have probably been a lot of hesitation um, to to kind of develop systems like this, like you were saying, you know, to develop technologies like this, um, it, it would have been, you know, we would have waited for the regulations to catch up with the technology mm-hmm. rather than vice versa. Um, but I do think with the current state of, of everything that, you know, people are now wanting to push forward even something as, as straightforward as just a contactless delivery method, you know, or even contactless um, manufacturing and pack- packaging and distribution in general. And, and I'm interested to see how, you know, not in a week or two weeks, but in the next coming months and years, if that becomes, you know, something that we still tout as almost even a um, marketing initiative for a product or a brand is to, you know, instill some of that type of technology. And and um, if that seems like it, it is going to continue to be, you know, the responsible and ethical choice to, um, you know, make a line of distribution mm-hmm. and manufacturing kind of built around um, 
you know, contact lists and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I, I think it kind of definitely plays a hand into what's going on currently. And I wonder how much of that's going to continue here in the future as we move down. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries. 